The epistle reading this morning comes from the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in wisdom of, for since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Hear now the gospel of the Lord for this Sunday. This comes from the second chapter of John, verses 13 through 22. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, "'Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market?' His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. The Jews replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he spoke of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I just want to give you a heads up, just let you know. The things are going to be a little different around here beginning next week. I have been watching the airlines and how they price everything. And of course, a lot of people are not traveling right now with the pandemic, so airlines are taking even more liberties right now in terms of moving toward what they call a la carte pricing. You buy a ticket, but that doesn't include this, it doesn't include that. If if you want a bag, or even now in some cases carry-on bags, or food on the airplane, or anything like that, you have to pay for it. So it's not all inclusive. So we're going to start that here at church. And so here's the way we're going to do it. Next week, when you arrive for church, if you want to park in the church parking lot, there will be a fee for that. If you don't want to pay a fee for parking, there are some parking places out front of the church. You're welcome to park there if you get here early enough. There's also a parking lot down the little alley in the back behind the wall near the bank. You're welcome to park there. I I realize that that would be a bit of a hike to come up the hill and around the corner and into the church, but, you know, free is free. 
we're also going to start charging for pew space. Now, we're Methodist, and our pews have to be free, so technically we're not going to charge for, for the pews, but we're going to be like an airline. We're going to charge for extra legroom. So what we're going to do is take one of the pews out of either side, and we're going to create some more legroom in the back four or five pews. We'll see how much we can do with just removing one pew. And then if you want to sit in one of those back pews, you're going to have to pay for the extra legroom space, just like you would buy business class tickets on an airplane. And, and we're not singing right now. We, we have no hymns in our worship service that the congregation participates in. So this is not a thing for now, but when we do resume singing of hymns, if you want a hymnal, they'll be in the narthex. You can rent one and bring it in with you. Of course, you'll have to turn it in, turn it back in to us when you walk out. And we're not actually going to print hymns in the bulletins at that point in time. What we're going to do is start at about 5 till 11 on Sunday morning, and we're going to let you bid on the hymns, and the highest bidder gets to choose a hymn, and then the next highest bidder gets to choose a hymn, and, and we'll go through like that. So come prepared to bid, to hear, and participate in your favorite hymns, and we will still have bulletins. They'll be in the narthex for just a, a small fee, not a lot, but you know, you could survive without a bulletin. And, and we're not uh, going to take cash anymore. I'm really sorry. Cash is dangerous. Having cash around the church invites the wrong kind of element to potentially come into the church. And, and we're not going to take checks anymore because checks are somewhat risky. And we're not going to take credit cards anymore because credit cards charge a fee and, and we don't want to have to pay that fee. So we're going to take money orders, which means that you have to be prepared. You have to know if you want to rent a hymnal. You have to know if you want to rent a parking space, if you want to rent a pew with more leg space, or if you want to rent the leg space in the pews, and if you want to buy a bulletin, and then if you want to give something in terms of a tithe, so that you, you have to know all of this in advance so that you can go to the post office or to the bank on Friday and buy a money order and then come with your money order because that's how we will take money from now on. Now, don't worry. If you forget, don't panic. We're prepared for that. We have contracted with a company, and they're going to put a kiosk in the Narthex, and you can come in with your check doing an electronic funds transfer or with your credit card or with your cash, and you can use that kiosk to buy a money order. Now, I'll, I have to admit that the fee for that will not be cheap, but it, it'll be convenient. So you can do that. Now, there's another option. If you don't want to handle this on a, a weekly basis, you're welcome to pay an annual fee. There's a little bit of a discount for it, and you, you kind of get all of this together as you want it. And with the annual fee, you'll have a parking place that has your name on it, and we'll have your hymnal and your bulletin in your reserved pew ready for you, and you can just come on in. But now please remember, this is above and beyond your tithe. This is a la carte pricing for coming to church. Now, 
What are you going to do next Sunday? Are you going to come to church just to see if I might be serious? Are you going to stay at home next Sunday and watch the online service and join us in that way, participate in worship in that way, and wait to see, to hear a report from someone who was actually here? Now, for your online people, recognize that I realize you're not going to need to buy bulletins. You're not going to need to to have more leg room in your pews. You're not going to need to rent rent hymnals. But we've been, we've started recently putting all of the words on the screen. And so that's now going to be a fee-for-service, where if you want to watch the words and see the words of the hymns and see the words of everything that we are doing in this online service. Um, That will be behind a paywall, and you'll have to pay for that. So what will you do next week? Will you watch to see if I really mean that? Or will you wait for a report from someone else? So once you realize that I'm serious what will you do? My guess is you would find another church because suddenly it has just become too difficult to worship here. Now let me ask you this. If we did this, if we went to this a la carte pricing method and began to charge for a whole number of things that everybody is used to receiving as a part of coming in the building, if we did that, how many visitors and newcomers do you think we would have on a weekly basis? I realize we might not have many until the pandemic is over, but hopefully we are moving closer and closer to that. So I don't think that we would have many visitors, many newcomers once the pandemic is over because word would get out fast that Mulberry Street was not visitor-friendly, that we didn't want people. Now, what I've just described is basically a modern-day version of what was happening in the temple during Passover. Folks were obligated at a certain point in their lifetime to come to Jerusalem to participate in Passover. Most of these folks lived far away. For some of them, the journey to get to Jerusalem was weeks long, and that's just the journey to get to Jerusalem. That has nothing to do with the the journey to get home. And so these folks are traveling very long distances. There are not McDonald's or any other fast food restaurants along the way, so they're having to carry their food with them very few hotels or places to stay. So often they're having to sleep out in the open as they make this journey. They can't bring a sacrifice from home, even if they have an animal at home that they think might be perfect, because by the time they get to Jerusalem, the animal would not be perfect. And when they get to Jerusalem, they've got to cleanse themselves with a ritual bath. They have got to purchase a blemish free sacrifice, and then they've got to change money. The vendors selling blemish-free sacrificial animals 
were in what is considered the outer courtyard of the temple. And they had all of their animals right there. They weren't going to go anywhere else to get an animal. They had all of these animals right here. And keep in mind that the animals inside the temple that had been pronounced blemish-free were selling for a lot more money than any animal outside on the streets might be selling for. And so they had all of these animals in this outer courtyard of the temple, and they were loud, and they were noisy, and they were smelly. I mean, you know, if you've ever been to a live animal market, to a cattle market or anything like that, you know that that the smell is there. And this was all inside the temple. It would be like having a live animal market inside our narthex. Not outside, but inside. And the folks who are coming to make a sacrifice, they have to pay their temple tax. But they can't pay their temple tax with the most commonly used coins of the day because those coins had pictures of men on them. And you couldn't present an image in the temple of God because that violated the Ten Commandments that we've just read. So they had to bring the money that they used in everyday ordinary life and go to money changers and change it to coins that were acceptable in the temple. And if you've ever traveled overseas and you need to change American dollars for money, currency in a foreign country, you know you you go to different booths at the airport and you try to figure out which one is giving you the best rate. And, And this was what these poor tired, burdened travelers were having to do. And in order to change money, the fee was about a day's wage. And these were people who literally lived day to day. What they earned today fed their family tonight. So to save a day's wage was extremely difficult. All of this was set up in the outer courtyard of the temple, the equivalent of our narthex except larger. And when you think about it, maybe that doesn't sound so bad, except that the outer court of the temple was the only place that Gentiles could go. They couldn't go any farther in. So if you had people who weren't Jewish but wanted to try to worship God That was their experience. They were in a marketplace with live animals and with money changers trying to advertise the fact that they offered the best rate. If you were a person of no faith or a person who was not born Jewish, but you felt a call in your heart to try to come to know this God that the Jews were worshiping, Instead of finding God, you found a loud, smelly market. There was a whole lot of evidence that business was taking place in the outer courtyard of the temple, but there was very little evidence of worship. And that upset Jesus because God's temple is about worship. Jesus was angry that the business of religion was occupying what should have been a space of worship. So Jesus got real. That's the best way to say it, folks. He got real. He took cords. He braided them together. He made a whip. He turned over the tables. He set the animals free. He drove the money changers out. He got rid of them. He cleared the space. So instead of being a space for business, it became once again a space for worship. 
where everybody felt welcome and could draw near to God. And then the temple leaders got mad because they were getting a cut of all of the money made by the vendors in the front courtyard of the temple. And so they really challenged Jesus, what in the world are you doing? What gives you the right to do this? By whose authority do you do this? And Jesus began to talk about the temple. You can destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it again. And they laughed. Obviously, this is a madman. It took years to build the temple. The latest renovations have been going on for more than 40 years. What do you mean you'll build this temple again in three days? You know, it's very easy to pass Jesus' anger off as a demonstration of his humanity. In fact, we often use this to excuse our own behavior, our own poor behavior. Jesus got angry, so we're allowed to get angry too. Jesus drove people out, so so we're allowed to do that. But this episode... It's not about Jesus' humanity. It's about his divinity. It's about his role as judge over all humanity. Jesus judged the activities of the temple leadership and found them severely lacking because those activities were more about what the leaders wanted than about what God wanted. We often think about Jesus' remarks about rebuilding the temple as a description of his coming resurrection, and we can certainly interpret it that way. But let me challenge you to to think just a, a little bit differently today. Jesus talked about rebuilding the temple. We find references throughout the Old Testament that call our bodies a temple, the Old Te- we find references in the New Testament, excuse me, that call our bodies the temple. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah talks about God writing his law on our hearts. In the New Testament, we are told that the temple where worship begins is in our body. What if Jesus meant that he would rebuild the temple by rebuilding his body? The body that we call the body of Christ or the church. Now, if we are the body of Christ, the new temple, we need to think about what might make Jesus angry enough to pull out his whip in this new temple that he's built. What do we do as the church that keeps others out? What do we do that discourages others from coming to church? What do we do that keeps business as usual instead of becoming the transformational work that rises out of worshiping God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer? What do we do that keeps others from wanting to know Jesus? What do we do that some might call hypocritical? You say you believe in this, but you live like that. How can we trust you if your life really doesn't demonstrate what you say you believe? The body of Christ can often be filled with deception and dissent and unloving behavior. But now wait a minute, I don't mean on Sunday mornings. Hear me. Because usually we've all got our acts together on Sunday morning. We've cleaned up pretty good, at least on the outside. We've probably even worked a little since we're in the season of Lent to clean up on the inside, maybe right around our hearts. So we're pretty good on Sunday morning. But what about the rest of the week? 
What about when we're here doing other things or when we're out in the community where people can see us? What about what we do then? Ladies and gentlemen, we must be willing to ask where and when the status quo in our church and in our lives has become so absolute that we, the church, the body of Christ, are closed to the possibilities of change, transformation, and renewal. This is the season of Lent. If there's ever a season in the church calendar that we are called to ask God to help us examine our hearts, this is it. So I challenge you to ask God to show you what you're doing that keeps others out. What you're doing that makes church business as usual and not a transformational experience. I challenge you to... Ask God to show you what needs to change in your faith life so that you more truly represent God through His Son Christ in all that you say and you do, not just on Sunday morning, but all through the week. Now let me invite you to come back next week we will not be selling anything in the sanctuary. We will not be selling anything online. But I encourage you to think about it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.